0: Hey, this is Beth Nelson. I serve as the lead pastor at Pray Heights Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today. I hope this motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. So what will define you this year? That's an important question. It's something that we're going to dive into today. And as we get going in the message, we're just going to rip our way right to the core. Okay, we're going to get started. I'm so excited. and But I need to know, are you excited? And so are you ready Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think I need to like go way over here and come on back up. I know you're not used to that. So I need to ask you again, God's got something in store for us. I'm so excited about what we're gonna talk about today. And if you're at home, I wanna hear you just as loud. Are you ready? Yeah, okay, that's better. Here's the thing, Jesus was the same. He was so good at just getting to the core. He was so good at just getting to the core of people and captivating their heart and really making them grapple with questions that likely they weren't even asking themselves And so we're going to dig in. Here we go. Jesus uh, is hanging out, and he's having a conversation with his disciples. We find it in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to set the stage a little bit. So here he is with his closest followers, and what I want you to do, and we're going to hear this story all throughout the next 30 minutes, and what I want you to do is place yourself in the position of the disciples. As we read through this story, put yourself in that place in the story. And so we find in Matthew 16, 13 through 15, and we read in the message version, it says when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied by saying, some think he is, he is John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And so as the disciples are grappling with that question, and they they say, yeah, here's what people are saying. Jesus, here's what we're hearing. Here's what word on the street is. Here's what we're hearing about who people say you are. And then next, what Jesus does is, and it says, he pressed them. And I wasn't there, but I just imagine that that meant Jesus just got real close to them. And it's like he looked right at him, and and I imagine he pointed his finger. And he asked, how about you? Who do you say I am? So here Jesus is with his closest followers, the people who have been with him for quite a while now, and they've watched him, and they've watched him do ministry, and they've learned from him, and, and he pressed them. He leaned in, he looked at him, and he said, how about you? Who do you say I am? See, the answer to that very question could potentially change everything in your life. Your answer to that very question can change everything in your life. It'll change the way that you lead your life. And most likely, and really it should, determine your priorities and your values. And those, those two words, priorities and values, those are two words that get tossed around pretty freely. You know, they're in, the, they're in the workplace. We say the words priorities and values often. And I think we can get so insensitive to those two words. Like, we hear them all the time so they don't really matter. But really what I want us to focus on is actually we hear them all the time because they really do matter. And every time that you and I, when we, it's a perfect opportunity right now in January as we flip to a new calendar year for us to evaluate what are our priorities and what are our values. And so from a purely practical standpoint, real quick, practical, let's just take an evaluation and assessment. You can start thinking about it for you. What are your priorities and values? One way to assess that is to ask these three questions. Number one, where do you spend your time and money? Number two, what do you spend your time and money on? And number three, who do you spend your time and money with? By simply examining your calendar and your checkbook, you can pretty quickly figure out what your values are. You know, maybe for some, you're working two jobs, and so that is just to make ends meet. And so that simply is taking up a lot of your time. Maybe for some families, you really value sports. That's a thing. You love that in your family. And so money, it's going to take money to buy equipment and shoes and all the things. And then your time is going to be spent practices and and evenings spent at games and weekends spent at games and tournaments. For others, maybe you're a college student and you're going to spend your money on food for sure, coffee books. You're going to spend all your time studying, right? That's what I did in college. That's a sermon for another time, and we can go down that road how you spend your time and where you spend your money, it's important to evaluate that. And that can help you kind of examine what your priorities and what your values are. And fair to say, I think a lot of us would pretty quickly, we would put faith and family towards the top of the list. We would say that our our faith and our family, it's really important to us. We value that. We want to make that a priority. And what I'm going to challenge us to is like, yeah, that's great. Okay, let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's let's not just talk about it. Let's live it out. Just like Jesus got to the core with the disciples when he pressed into them and he asked them, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? So we find Peter, he responds to this question. In Matthew 16, 16, it says, Simon Peter said, he replies, by saying, You're the Christ, the Messiah the son of the living God. I imagine he confidently did that in response to Jesus. He confidently said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. So what about you? What about you? Who do you say Jesus is? I think it's really critical that you got an answer to that question or at least that you lean into that question of who is Jesus to you? Is he the leader of your life? Is he your closest best friend? Is he just simply an acquaintance? Is he your 911 dispatcher? Hey God, I got an emergency calling you, just checking in. Who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? Because here's the deal, when you settle, when you settle who Jesus is to you, it begins to clarify your focus. When you settle who Jesus is to you, it begins to clarify your focus and simply by answering that one question, it answers a whole lot of other questions. Simply by answering and settling that one question of who Jesus is to you, what it does is some of the harder decisions or some of the things in your life that are kind of up for grabs where you have a lot of choices, all of a sudden it begins to clarify your focus. And you're living your life with a little bit more purpose and intentionality when you settle that one question. And what does it look like? Like, what does it look like when a group of people come together when a group of people who have settled that question, they've said yes to Christ, when they come together as a group, what does it look like for that group and for that community? I'm going to tell you. And these are just some recent stories, but we know we've got lots of stories here at Prairie Heights of the impact that it has when we come together as a church family. Just this past weekend, my husband Kyle and I sat across from a couple who, uh, they've been a part of Prairie Heights for a few years, and from all society standpoint, you would look at their life from afar, and you would consider them to be super successful and really happy. They've got a growing business, a growing family, a good marriage, Here's the thing that happened as they began to come to Prairie Heights and as they began to engage in their walk with God, as they began to wrestle with the question, who is Jesus to them? They got involved in Financial Peace University, one of our classes that we have very often around here. And and through that journey, they began giving the first 10%, their tithe, first 10% of their income back to God. And they believed that God was going to bless the rest And then they began getting involved in groups. And every marriage event we've had, they've engaged in the marriage event so they can make their marriage even better and grounded in a relationship with God. And I can tell you without a doubt that if you were to ask them, have you settled the question who Jesus is to you, they both confidently would say yes. And their life looks a whole lot different. The way that they lead their business, the way that they lead their family, The time they set aside for each other and the time that they set aside for their kids and the activities that they're doing, it looks different because they've settled that question and it actually clarified their focus for their life. A couple weeks ago, I was standing over here and we were all singing together and I was getting ready to come on up here and, and welcome everybody and out of my peripheral vision, I saw a couple, a Prairie Heights couple, who uh, they had their hands up in the air and they were singing and you could see that they were expressing who Jesus was to them through the way that they were singing so excitedly and they were just in the moment. And as I watched them, their story began to play in my head. And their story is one of A lot of joy and also a lot of heartache. Their story is one of of addiction and recovery. Their story is one of commitment and never giving up. And I got so emotional as I watched them. And as I experienced how they were experiencing Jesus, it did something in me. It grew my faith. And it's just a story of a couple that... They've decided who Jesus is to them, and it doesn't make their life any easier. It doesn't mean that all the stuff of life goes away. It just means that they have a center. They have something to come back to. There was a Prairie Heights family uh, just a couple months ago who saw a specific need in our technology in order to increase our online experience, and God led them to participate in the solution. And without being asked... They just generously gave thousands of dollars so we could have higher quality equipment. They just generously gave. And that, that changes things around here. But without a doubt, I believe it changed their heart even more. That act of generosity, that God changed them even more. See, you've heard the stories. You've seen the stories. Maybe you are the story That's what happens when a group of people come together. And when we settle who Jesus is to us, it clarifies where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, where we spend our money. We start spending more time with Jesus through prayer and really getting to know him through reading our Bible. We start building community with others in our church family. Stephen talked all about that. Like for some of you, it might seem super scary To go from coming here or engaging online to all of a sudden getting into a group. That's okay if it's scary. Do it anyway. (laughs) It's all right. Try something new. Like start swimming. (laughs) Because it's good for us when we get outside our comfort zone. And it's really valuable to be part of a church family and to build relationship and I just want to spend a few moments talking about our church family, talking about Prairie Heights and our church family. Uh, If you've been around over the past 13 months, you have been part of and you've experienced the most amount of leadership change Prairie Heights has ever had in its 20-year history. And side note, so excited, here in March, we're going to celebrate 20 years of ministry And we're going to get excited about the 20 plus and decades ahead of us of building and doing what God has called us to do. And we can't wait to do that. So get excited about that. On top of that, we've experienced much change as we've all navigated COVID. You know, we've been, had recorded services and then online and mass and no mass and kid ventures open and then it's not. And there's just been so much change. But one thing. One thing has not changed, and that is our core priorities and our core value. Our core priorities and values. Our mission remains to connect more people with Jesus and to connect people with a church family. Now, the way and the ways that we do that can change, but the core of our mission remains. And so just for for some clarity, as we move forward into this year... I will be providing leadership and guidance to our teaching team. So that means you're going to see me up here teaching along with Mike Kramer, who's the senior pastor at Bismarck Prairie Heights. We will have additional people like Byron from Eaglebrook Church. And if you've missed any of the last three weeks, I want to encourage you to go ahead and watch those. And so what you've experienced in the month of January already is what we will in different ways continue to do. And one of the reasons, and this is where I need you to lean into this a little bit, one of the reasons that gathering together each week is so important, it's so important that we gather together, that we get online and we watch, and maybe today you're watching and it's Tuesday or it's Thursday. (laughs) But what's so important is that every week, that we gather and we connect and the reason it's so important is so that all of us, so that we're centered and aligned in our priorities and values according to God's word. That you and I, that all of us together, that we would be challenged by a relevant biblical teaching. That we would connect to God's heart through the music. That maybe the Holy Spirit would convict us of something and that we would really spend more time on that or we would be encouraged. And so our regular gathering each and every week, it helps all of us to be challenged and to to really to go out and to live out the purpose that God has for us individually and as a church. And that's exactly what Jesus wanted for Peter. That's exactly what Jesus wanted for Peter, and it's exactly what Jesus wants for you and I. Is that he wants to, one, he wants to be in relationship with us. Right? He wants to be in relationship with us. And two, then then he wants to breathe life into us and give us purpose for our life. And so getting back into the story Peter replies to Jesus and he says, you are the Messiah, you are the son of God. And get this, this is how Jesus replies back to him in Matthew 16, 17, and 18. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah, you didn't get that answer out of books. So he's saying, Peter, you didn't read that anywhere. You didn't get that from any teachers. So Peter, you didn't didn't hear that from anybody. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And then get this, Jesus says, and now I'm gonna tell you who you are, who you really are. Did you get that? Like Jesus says to Peter, now I'm gonna tell you who you are, who you really are. Because when you settle who Jesus is to you, you can then be sent with purpose. You get that? Like, first Jesus is saying, Who am I to you? Peter says, You are the Messiah. And then Jesus says, Now I'm going to tell you who you really are. And he's ready to send Peter into one of the purposes that he has for his life. Jesus says, You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. I'm gonna read that one more time. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. See, Jesus began to breathe life and vision into Peter, and he explained the role and the unique special authority he was gonna give Peter in the early church, and you can read all about it in Acts. But see, Jesus was building the church on Peter's faith. He was beginning to give him vision for what it was going to look like. And it says Peter was sent to be a part of the vision that Jesus had to build his church And Jesus was going to build his church upon Peter's faith and his example of faith and through his personal authority to share the gospel message. And specifically, he gave Peter the the, um, task or he gave him the vision to share his message with three specific groups of people. They were the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. And Peter's journey in the early church, it was filled with awe. It was filled with Holy Spirit moments. It was filled with thousands of people coming to know Jesus and getting baptized. And it was also filled with hardship. It was also filled with torture. And at the end of Peter's life, he was martyred for his faith. And so it's fair to ask the next question. Why was Peter so committed to continuing to fulfill the purpose and the vision that Jesus had for him, when at times it got real hard. Why do you think that was? I just imagined it's because Peter stood face to face with Jesus. They stood face to face. And when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And Peter replied, then Jesus said, hey, I'm gonna tell you who you are. And I'm gonna send you to live out a purpose and a vision that's going to change thousands of people's lives. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. That the faith of Peter, the faith of you and I, that we would lean into the importance of the local church so much that even today... That the gates of hell don't have a chance when it comes to our conversation about the local church and the movement of the local church because the local church is people. And see, out of relationship, out of relationship with Jesus, Peter was changed forever. He was changed forever. And so the church, you know, the one that was built on the foundation of Peter's faith, the church that is made up of people, the church that is people, the church that Jesus died for, the church that was radical in faith, the church that was radical in risk, the church that was radical in obedience to reach out and to connect more people with Jesus who didn't know Jesus, that church... That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. See, the vision that Jesus had for the church, it, it wasn't like a, hey, let's all just uh, make it about one hour a week. Let's just engage in God and, and the local church and being a part of it by just coming and sitting in a chair or logging in for an hour And then you know when it's done like we can get out our critic sheet and we can say was that a five star sunday or was that a three star sunday and then we can ask ourselves and that's we can ask ourselves you know god did that really fill my bucket today Hey, and I I know I'm being a little like I'm getting into some people's space. (laughs) I get that. Hey, and if you haven't said yes to Jesus and you're just hanging out and Jesus is not, you haven't settled that question yet, like just keep hanging out. This part isn't for you. (laughs) This part is for the people, for me. This part's for me. And this part is for the people who have said, yes, Jesus is the leader of my life. This is for us to remember the importance of the local church And that the local church was not built around us. And that it's not meant to be about me. (laughs) That the local church has a purpose and has an impact that we need to dial into. It wasn't meant to be convenient. It wasn't meant to be easy. It wasn't meant to be comfortable. And I'm so tempted to believe, I'm so tempted to believe this because I just know it's true because I'm in it too but I don't even think any of us really want that. Like, I honestly don't think that any of us really even want the type of church where we just come and make it about an hour a week. I don't think we do. I think what happens is we just sometimes get a little distracted. We just get kind of distracted, just like when we would say that, you know what, we value family and we value faith, yet we don't spend a whole lot of time with God or our spouse or our kids. Like, Sometimes we just kind of drift. It's in our human nature. We drift. I drift. We're in this thing together, and I just believe that you and I, that we want more, that we want more, that we want to be a part of something that is like crazy messy, and at the same time, it's crazy radical, and it's crazy obedient, and it's crazy risky, that we got to go after it. And then we gotta be willing to do things that are gonna be uncomfortable if it means that we're gonna reach one more person, that all of us together, we would say, yeah, we'll do it. So why, you know, think about it for a second. Why are you committed to the local church? Is it a what's in it for me? Why are you committed to the local church? Why are you committed to this local church, Prairie Heights? And I'll just start. While you think about that, I'll, I'll start. And I'll just share. Mine's real simple. The reason that I love the local church and the reason that I am a part of Prairie Heights is that it wasn't that long ago that I told my parents I would never go to church again unless it was a wedding or a funeral. And it really wasn't that long ago that the topic of God or conversation or my attending church was ever a thing in my life. And it really wasn't that long ago that I was invited by a friend to attend this church called Prairie Heights who at that time met in the Fargo Dome. And after five invitations to get him off my back, I said yes. And I showed up to church not knowing that I would experience what I experienced. Not knowing what God had in store for me, and as I journeyed through in those early days, weeks, and even the early months and years, when I began to settle the question, who is Jesus to me? When I began to settle that question and I said yes to Jesus being the leader of my life, whoo! it changed everything. It absolutely changed Everything. When I look back in that season, I could could make a list of my priorities and my values and who I spent my time with. And I'm telling you, as I started to settle who Jesus was, that began to change. My priorities and my values began to change, and, and Jesus changed everything. The qualities I was looking for in a future spouse began to change. My marriage today would not be what it is without Jesus. We could not parent without Jesus. And I got to tell you, I look back on my life and I look forward in my life and this is the one decision, the one decision when I've settled who Jesus is to me, this is the one decision that I have zero regrets. I have zero regrets because Jesus changed everything for me. So I believe that the work of the local church matters. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world and it can change people's lives because it first changed mine. And so it's personal. What we do here is very personal and it matters. And just like I came into the doors of the Fargo Dome, Prairie Hiders, you were ready for me. And I will guarantee you that we will be ready for you. When you come step foot in, when you log in online, we will be ready for you. Because we've been waiting for you, because we've been praying for you, we will be ready for you. And guess what? I think there's even more. I think there's even more to this idea of being part of a church family and being sent and really living with purpose and together as a group of people that we begin to really grapple with what is God's call And purpose for us as a church family and and hey if you're new to this thing this Jesus thing and you just got invited by a friend and today's your first week you're probably like whoa she's really passionate you're you're good just keep coming okay just keep coming keep logging on keep checking it out because a lot of the things that we do and why we do it's for you and so keep keep coming and then All of a sudden, what happens is when you and I begin to really ask ourselves the question, who is Jesus to you? It begins to clarify our focus. And all of a sudden, you and I, we get to be sent with purpose. And so back in 2018 in Thailand, there was a a soccer team of young boys and their coach who went missing after a practice. And they couldn't find them. And so, until 10 days later, they finally found them. So go ahead and take a look at this part of the story when they found the boys.
1: How many of you? 13. Yeah, Brilliant. Thailand's Navy SEALs released this video of the 12 missing soccer players and their coach found alive inside a cave. The team is believed to have ventured into the cave as part of an excursion before the rains came. You have been here? 10 days, 10 days, you are very strong. Families cheered when they heard the long-awaited news. Rescuers have worked around the clock for more than a week to locate the boys between 11 and 16 years old and their 25-year-old coach, who became trapped in the cave after a monsoon hit. A U.S. military team and international divers with expertise in cave rescues teamed up with Thailand's Navy SEALs in a search that has captivated Thailand. It's a
0: multinational rescue effort, and it's, it's led to a Success.
1: Authorities caution the operation isn't over yet. The six-mile-long cave is filled with water. And divers say the boys may need to learn the basics of scuba diving to make their way out. We are coming. Okay. okay. Many people are coming. The governor says that there are still a lot of risks involved in the rescue and that they need to widen the path to reach them and get them out safely. Parents are thankful and overwhelmed and say they can't wait until they finally see their sons.
0: So now you're going to see a map of the cave and it took them another two weeks to actually get the boys out of the cave. None of these boys knew how to swim and they had the very best. They had a seal team. They had Navy seals. They had the best expert divers from around the world who came to save these boys in the coach. And you'll see in different parts of that journey how it was narrow, in different parts how the water was up and how far they had to go to get these young boys. And so as they began to rescue these boys, which was very risky, they thought at one point that the boys would have to stay for months and they would just bring them food and water to keep them alive because of the monsoon season that was coming but instead what they decided to do was they took a risk and they very quickly got the best of the best in expert divers and one by one they they would put the boys and attach them to their diving suit and they would sedate them. And then they would get about halfway through and the diver would have to get up out of the water and sedate the, the boy again because it wouldn't last the whole track. And so to say that it was risky and it was dangerous is an understatement. All the boys in the coach came out alive. Those rescuers took a risk. Huge one. One of them lost their life. I don't know if you caught it. It was kind of hard to hear, but did you hear what the rescuer said to the boys right when he saw them for the first time? He said these words. He said, many are coming. They are coming for you. Now you're going to see a map of our city, of Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, and surrounding communities. And I know without a fact that our influence is going to spread way, way past that. And every bone in my body and every piece of my heart wants to scream from the rooftop of this place to every family to every person, to every home that's represented on this map, I want to yell, many are coming. They are coming for you. Prairie hiders are coming for you. There are people who are part of a community who they've fallen in love with Jesus. They have relationship with Jesus and it's changed them and it's transformed them. And all of you who don't know about Jesus, they want you to know And so many are coming, and they're coming for you. And the reason that I know that, dang, the reason that I know that is because there are nurses and there are doctors, there are moms and dads, there are teachers and principals, there are janitors, there are software engineers, that you're all listening to this, because we are the church. And when all of you go back to your homes and when you go to your workplaces and when you go to the places that you shop, Jesus has a purpose for your life to share his love and to share that there's a Jesus who loves the people that you are in contact with. That's what church family does. Not only do we gather, but then we get sent. So now what? Now what, right? So like I've said a couple times, if you're new to Prairie Heights, new to church, haven't been in a while, not sure who Jesus is to you, just keep hanging out. Your next step is to simply answer the question, who is Jesus to you? And whenever you're ready to answer that question, guess what? We're ready to. But if you've decided who Jesus is to you, and this is really important and i want you to take time this week to answer these questions number one how has god uniquely positioned you to connect with the people within your influence where you live where you work where you shop number two what gifts and talents resources has god given you that you can share with your church family so that as opportunities come up you'll be ready and available you'll be hands wide open And when someone asks you to be a part, whether it's volunteering or serving or being in a group or being in leadership or when it's time to give financially, that you'll be the first one, that you'll be the first one in line with the kind of expansive energy that Jesus talked about to say, I'm getting in the game of this local church because I wanna be a part of making a difference. Number three, evaluate how your checkbook and your calendar align with the purposes that God has for you. Think about your priorities and values and how it aligns to the purposes that God uniquely has for you. Because what God has for us as a church family, it's going to require all of us to pour our resources, to pour our gifts, to pour our talents in. And to be a church that's going to be here to connect more people with Jesus. And what if, what if we continued to live out and began to live out that guess what? As this service ends in about five minutes, church begins. That church begins when we leave this building because of how we live and how we love others and how we represent Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good. I love being together and gathering and being reminded, God, of of who you are and who you are to us. And so, God, there's no doubt, and I just believe that that you are speaking, that you are meeting people exactly where they're at. I pray, God, for your power to be present. I pray, God, for your voice to be louder. God, there might be something that stood out in in what came out of the message today for somebody, and I pray that as they leave, it doesn't become just a moment where they got excited. (laughs) I can be like that. I get excited in moments. God, would you you make the local church, who is people, who is all of us, would you infuse an energy that we can't create on our own that just overflows out of us as we live? God, you can do that. And so we're going to look to you to continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prayheightscom give for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thank you for listening.